that's what I want to get rid of. When you got to sneeze, but the sneeze doesn't happen. Ooh, okay. Well, especially because like- you, you're like, oh, it, it's going to come back. Right. Oh, quit God sneeze. damn it. Wow. <laughs> you stole my sneeze. Damn it, Quinn. I'm so glad I got that recorded. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, what I was going to say is, though, um, yeah, because it's, it's the same as they're, they're like the sneezes and orgasms are just are the same thing. Oh, my God. No. Not, so, right? Yeah. I, I don't want to cut you off, but no, go ahead. That was that was the statement. Oh, my God. <laughs> I have I was talking about this with my roommate that like, you know, every nobody like really talks about um orgasms uh, uh, male orgasms like sneezes when mm-hmm. like that you know that's what they're they're closest to you know it's mm-hmm. like anything that you're trying to talk about in terms of one or the other if you're being vague it's really hard to say something that is like determinedly either one you know like you know uh, it's messy get any <laughs> tissues can't keep your eyes open you know, it's like all these, like, it's just <laughs> totally. funny. Well, There's lots of fucking and, and funny to me, shit. Yeah, no, it is. It's the same. <clears throat> and to me, it's about like the, I mean, it's the same. It's like the relief of it and like the buildup. And if you think about it too much, it's going to go away. Uh, I had this one time in college, I was visiting my f- couple f- friends from school and I, we were like, we went out for a, we went to a friend of ours lived in Arizona and or grew up there and we all went and like had a little like spring break trip together. And I right. remember there was this one day in the trip where we were, we went on this hike through the desert and we turned, we like turned a corner to this like incredible Vista at one point. And it was like, there was like a waterfall in the background and it was like beautiful pre sunset sky. And one mm. of my friends, he we were like standing next to each other. And we both like stopped and we were like looking and then we were both like, I think I have to sneeze. And then we're like, maybe this is like, is it possible to want to like orgasm from like a sudden, the most beautiful thing I've ever seen? Like, it was just like this moment where like, literally I was like, Mm. I think I, maybe I have to sneeze or maybe I just like am super turned on by this nature or like skipped the turned on phase and just like am straight at like, oh, am I going to come right now like it was such a weird and we like both had this feeling and he was a guy and i'm not and like it was just such a weird little like whoa we're both experiencing this right now it was really and we were not high or anything this was totally sober wow wow so quite the experience um yeah yeah but anyways i'd like to get rid of that that uh, is awesome that thing not that they're the sim- similar, but just when you gotta sneeze and you can't sneeze, which I guess I also right. want to get rid of when you gotta when you want to orgasm but you can't. Right. Which I, mean, I don't really, know if that happens as much, but I feel like you know it doesn't not happen, mm-hmm. and that is uh, I'd say it's particularly an issue on the uh, on the after the first go round. Mm. If you if if you are like catching what I'm laying down times, in one try. yeah 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 that's hard yeah um and so um so yeah there have been times 
where I've been like, you know, grateful for condoms because you can fake it. Mm. <gasps> That's Ew, it. Yeah. You faked it? Oh, Did oh, you yeah. fake it? Mm. Well, it's just like, I've just been I like, okay, I, I, if you're like, I want this to be over. And, yeah. you know, we all acknowledge that because like, I know it's not going to happen and mm-hmm. you can't be having fun for much longer. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, until we reach the glory day in which, you know, sex is no longer determined in duration by the male orgasm, God, you know, that'll we're be the day. that'll be the day. But what will that day look like? We don't know, you know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. but so you just gotta, you just gotta play pretend. And then, you know, it looks like you can have sex three times because eventually <laughs> you'll get there, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's setting a, setting a tough precedent for yourself though it is but (laughs) but yeah yeah but it does like it does build in my failing so i do know that like you know if i all i gotta get is two out of three Mm. that i you know yeah two out of three is a lot yeah yeah Yeah. in terms of as far you know meatloaf says two out of three ain't bad does Meatloaf say that? I didn't know that. Meatloaf does say that. It's uh, it's on Bad Out of Hell PT One, Part One. Okay, yeah, I don't honestly don't know the the musical stylings of Meatloaf too well. Mm, mm, just a hits. But that's my own fault. Just a hits. Um, mm. yeah. What about you, Stephen? Well, to uh, this uh, this week, I want to get rid of performative throat clearing um i not just sorry what no see i that's not it's close it's definitely performative but it's more i want to i want to wrap in all sort of performative private reactions which is to say that have you ever been in a group and someone reacts to something that they're reading in a way that is just too big. Right. That so you know, you, they're like, they want you to be like, what is that? Exactly. They, you read something and then like you're doing something and they go, Oh, well, well, that's not going to work out. <laughs> and you just silent. That's so interesting. That's going to, that's going to be bad. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. And you want to hey man, so I wanted to take I'm like, Gah! um or like, you know, something that um you know, or people will do, they'll just they'll see something and then they'll go, ha 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 And I'm like, Oh god, you're gonna want me to ask what's funny. You're gonna want me to ask what's funny. Yeah. Um Yeah, I uh I hate that. Especially because generally speaking, with the exception of uh, orgasming, you know, I don't make too much noise. So, <laughs> like, I just, I just, I hate, I already hate, like, burping, throat clearing. The other day, my roommate was like, <laughs> like, every five minutes, that I was like, are you okay? Yeah, yeah. I'm fine. I'm like, well, really? Are you sure? Um, you know, my other roommate drinks like a shitload of beer, so he just like burps every five minutes, like big, guttural, like pushing out the body burps, nice. where you're like, 
oh my god um the, the kind that where you gotta lean you know which is not something that's mm. typically associated with a burp but you gotta he has to lean you know and i can't mm. it's like it's like wow that's a lot that's a lot wow so you add a layer of like doing something i hate but to get my attention oh buddy oh buddy boy i don't like that don't like that no bit <laughs> yeah yeah i'm with you on that i'm with you on that yeah. Are we, are we, uh, are we jumping in yeah, here? I, I just want to point in that, in. uh, I took three minutes. You took six minutes. I think that, uh, you should be a little bit, uh, aware that, uh, maybe you should be worried about the time. That sorry. When I, when you say uh, that I took six minutes, let me just remind you that it was also, it was us. We, there was some back and forth. In okay. There. Look, here, you know, so you know, I just, just look, I'm jibing you. I'm ribbing you. But uh, okay. yeah, because I love taking all minutes, the time in the I world. came five times, so you know. Oh what wow! Do you, what do you got to say about it? <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't come. I didn't come one time. Um, well, 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 there you go. No. So, let's, but, let's uh, but that's my thing, you know. I didn't think that. Yeah, right. Exactly. So uh, exactly. I just wanted. To, I will say though that um, you know, I'm sorry to barge in like this. You don't have any reason to be afraid. Okay. I, I just want to welcome you to should we keep this. The Cultural Review podcast that wrote a hit play and directed it. You know it. You love it. It looks back over the past 50 years of film, music, and television, challenging your nostalgia by letting me give you a good astringent, and this will help prevent infection. And get at the question, why is it snowing, Grandma? Why is it snowing, Grandma? I saved Latin. What did you ever do? What do I? I'm my name is Gina, Gina Stevenson. Uh, and today Stevenson. we're talking about <laughs> Rushmore and Edward Scissorhands. That was that was ridiculous. I loved it. I mean, it, also because I don't know if this is true. I don't know how quotable these movies, like the light, especially from Rushmore. Mm-hmm. So, like, <laughs> I don't know if anybody knows those quotes, but I like. Yeah, it. I really liked it. <laughs> yeah, there's one very few, and, and I'll. Uh, there are a couple of great quotes in it, though. I mean, and I'll, there is one quote that is pretty obscure that means a lot to somebody who's not obscure, but we'll get to that. Interesting. Mysterious. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, we are talking about Edward Scissorhands and Rushmore. We're, so the, the sort of thinking... Uh, oh, do you hear that? What? The... Uh, oh, the I'll just get a quick quote. Cool, 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 the thinking this week was movies that sort of pushed, uh, you know, <laughs> I can't, um, sort of like indie auteur filmmakers mm-hmm. into the, towards the mainstream or like, you know, that their movies where they suddenly became like super, super known launching their careers a bit. Although Tim Burton, to be honest, Yes, but, uh, like Beetlejuice was like ten years earlier, and we already had talked about Batman. But well, you know, Beetle, but I Beetle think this was like movie... four years. Was like four years earlier. Oh wait, this was nineteen ninety. Did... Oh, 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 you're right. You're right. You're right. Sorry, yeah. I was uh, switching it with Rushmore, which was like late nineties. Right. And even though That's this true. was, I was thinking about this a lot because even though it is Bat, even though he did Batman, and and he had done like Beetlejuice was the only one that was that was more like him mm-hmm. um right. that like 
one of the things I was looking when I was looking this up that like he basically one of the reasons he got a number of chances early on was because he had a reputation for basically delivering on low budgets. Hmm. Like he could do things for less than he would give quotes that were, you know, low balls to try to like win stuff. And then he would deliver on it, which, you know, in terms of the Joker's layer means just a fucking curtain <laughs> stuffed right. in the middle and being pulled out. But like in terms of Edward Scissorhands, I mean, it's, it's pretty great, but like, so it's a sort of, it, I feel like it's the second Mm-hmm. Tim Burton movie. Totally. Yeah. And very much like, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. In terms of his style and like him actually making what he wants to make. Um, yeah. This is, this is, uh, this is the, what's the thing that pushes forward? Cause after this too, well, I don't remember which of his movies came right after this, like which one was next. Um, mm-hmm. should have looked that up. Uh, oh, geez. Oh, geez. But anyways, anyways. Okay. So, oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Cause then he went to Batman Returns, but then the Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. All mm-hmm. these kinds of, kinds of ones. Okay. Um, I, so I think this is one of the, it's so funny how usually we watch them in the same order, but this time we watch them in different orders. Oh. But, um, so I watched Edward Scissorhands. Precisely first. reverse order. The exact reser- reverse, which is. What impressive. are the odds of that? What are the only odds? two. It's just crazy. Um, so I'm just going to start us with Edward Scissorhands because that's first on my list of synopses. So here we go. Sorry, Stephen. Throwing you for a loop. How will you recover? I hate it. I hate it. Edward Scissorhands. Here we go. So, um, this is, so this, we've got the framing device here of an elderly woman who is telling her granddaughter the story, um, of why it snows, but also, so the story is of a young man named man. Come on now, am I thrown or are you? Young man named Edward who has scissor blades for hands. Um, he was the final creation of an inventor who died before being able to finish him. Uh, and I guess in the process of building a humanoid being, you got to start with blades on the hands before you can turn them into hands. Of course. Uh, fucking um, that's obvious. I'm so sorry. I just want to, you know, in case anyone didn't know that, I just wanted to not let them feel out of the loop. Um, Edward lives alone in the inventor's mansion until one day when a woman named Peg, who is a door-to-door Avon saleswoman who lives in the neighboring suburban town, comes to the mansion and discovers him there. Well, she sees that he's lonely, uh, that he's sort of all alone and lost, and that he, you know, cuts himself with his blades by accident. And so she invites him to come live with her and her family, which is comprised of her husband, her young son, and her teenage daughter named Kim. Uh, the family and the town first see Edward as strange or perhaps scary, but um, as soon as they get to know him a bit, they see that he's very, very kind, and he becomes a bit of a local celebrity, used with his scissors to cut intricate hedge designs and then also cut hair, lots of asymmetrical hairstyles that would probably be cool these days. Um, one of the neighbors named Joyce uh, offers to help him open a hair salon, but she also, in the process, she tries to seduce him which and scares him away. Uh, and then she tells the other neighborhood women that he actually tried to assault her, which starts to turn people's trust against him. Uh, meanwhile, Kim has this asshole boyfriend named Jim who wants to steal some stuff from his rich father. Um, and he convinces Kim, uh, 
who reluctantly agrees to enlist Edward to help because Edward can open locks with his blade hands. Um, but unfortunately, a silent alarm is triggered when they try to break into the house. Uh, the cops come. Edward's arrested. He takes the blame um, because, uh, as he tells Kim later, she asked him to. Um, he's let out, and on Christmas, he carves an angel sculpture out of ice, and Kim dances in the snow that is produced by the carving action uh, Jim approaches, jealous and angry and pissed off, and Edward cuts him by accident. Kim tells him to run back to the mansion, but Jim follows, and they fight. Edward kills Jim, uh, and Kim emerges to tell the townspeople that Edward and Jim actually killed each other, and so that Edward is dead. Um, but of course, she's told him just to to stay there, and he he has not died, at least that evening. Presumably, Edward has stayed hidden away in the mansion ever since, um, and we learn that the old woman is actually Kim, um, and she believes he's still there because every time it snows, she thinks that he's probably the reason that it's snowing, carving some big old ice sculptures in his mansion. Edward Scissorhands, folks. This movie is made for $20 million. It uh, it made $86 million. And Tom Cruise was the studio's first choice, which, surprisingly, Burton liked it he was on board um that Mm -hmm. the only um the only thing is that tom cruise wanted the script changed so it would be a happier ending i have no idea what that would mean in terms of like the world of tom cruise narratives you know what a what a happy ending means (laughs) but yeah yeah so this was Tim Burton's. Yeah, they like go off on a, on a. I'm just trying to do a. Uh, oh crap! I lost the whole thing. The the movie Top Gun. He oh, they ride God. off on a motorcycle together <laughs> in the yeah, end, and he, somehow he's he steering it. With his right. Yeah. <laughs> right, and then you know something about Doug. Ah. Yeah, it's something else. <laughs> well, it's, just like, it's, it's really hard to make uh, scissor-based puns of Tom mm. Cruise movies. I'm sitting here trying to make one <laughs> of, like, You Complete Me. And it uh, doesn't... I can't think of something that completes right. scissors. Um, you completely cut me in half. Close. No? Okay. Something right, maybe, I'd be like... Any something with a rock. You know, if she got rock and paper or something like that, or uh, as 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 we call in this movie, scissors, paper, stone. Um, mm, copyright for copyright issues. Uh, I got it. I see. I forgot that uh, uh, yeah. fucking Hasbro owns rock, paper, scissors. Come oh, after us. Do. Come after us. You're not allowed to say it on this podcast, so be careful. All right. All right. So uh, as I said before, this is Tim Burton's like second Tim Burton, quote, 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 Tim Burton movie. Uh, yes, he mm-hmm. had made like Batman, and he had made some other movies, but uh, but Beetlejuice was sort of his other like movie that's in, definitively his style. Mm-hmm. And it was also written by a woman named Caroline Thompson, and it was her third movie. She had made The Black Cauldron, and she had made The Land Before Time, nice. and after this, right. After this, she went on to do the Adams Family family movies. She wrote a number of the Tim Burton movies. She wrote The Night Before Christmas, Corpse Bride, James the Giant Peach, etc. 
And she also wrote a number of the, um, the Nicholas Sparks adaptations. Hmm. Things like uh, Walk to Remember, Knights in Rodanthe. I don't think she wrote the notebook. I don't have that written down. I feel like what I written that no. down. So yeah, I think she did some of the other ones. Yeah. And then uh, in terms of people who were already famous, we got uh, Winona Ryder, who we've already talked about. We got Diane Weist, already big stage star, already won an Academy Award for Hannah and her sisters. Then we have Anthony Michael Hall, who is a big old, big old John Hughes veteran. Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, just back after a two-year hiatus in filmmaking, um, hmm. which, gotta say, boy, did his character type change. Boy. <laughs> wow. Then we also have uh, Kathy Baker, who'd been around since uh, 1983. And I was trying to figure out where I recognized her besides like this movie. And she's in a movie. She's in a TV show called I'm Sorry. Have you ever watched it? Oh, no. I don't think I have, but I've heard of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a, it's an incredibly good sitcom mm. to be on true TV. Wow. Yeah. It's cool. like very bizarre that, that it's on true TV. Um, but she plays the main, the main woman's mom. Um, mm. And she is hilarious. The first, the first time you see her in the show, it's just like her, um, like with her daughter in a grocery store. And she just says like, Hey, Surrey, what's tea bagging? Um, it's, <laughs> yeah. It, good, good, clean fun. Um, mm-hmm. We have uh, Vincent Price, horror, uh, horror veteran. Oh, yeah. Michael oh, Jackson, yeah. thriller veteran, uh, noted mm-hmm. anti-Semite and Hitler admirer, Vincent Price, oh, what? who was, oh. is it, what? Vincent Sorry, Price, I'm, he was in the thriller no, video. No, no, I know, no, I just didn't know the last thing that you said. Oh, about yeah. Him being no. a Hitler supporter. Yeah, uh, apparently his, his daughter um, wrote some, some things about him. And one mm-hmm. of them uh, was that, uh, yeah, he didn't like the Jews. And he was like a e- eugenicist and all that jazz. Um, mm-hmm. yep. So there you go. Um, thing. Yep. But, you know, he dies in the movie and he dies in real life. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's like something, something to be happy about. So sure. he... Uh, he he died of lung cancer, but at this point he had Parkinson's, and apparently it was very very difficult for him to film this movie because of complications from his Parkinson's. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, then we also have uh, which serves him right. <laughs> Fucking anti-Semite. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> Alan Arkin, and then also Caroline Aaron, who I feel like you know she was already working. She was like already doing a number of things, but I do feel like she is more famous now than she's ever been because of Mrs. Maisel. She plays Joel's mom. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, she does. Uh, and then, so uh, in terms of people who were made by this movie, uh, Johnny Depp. This marks a trip. You know, we can also say that this week is about career transitions mm, because, yeah. like, Johnny Depp was like. A teen idol, edgy heartthrob, mm-hmm. and then this movie turned him into basically movie weirdo. 
<laughs> like I feel like he's known now for being like offbeat and like yeah sensitive, but also he's going to do the weird stuff. Mm-hmm, um, for sure. And this movie like established that, and you know also let's take this time to note um, he is a uh, domestic abuser. Um, so yeah, he he got a bad track record in in that department, and mm-hmm. then also the producer. Denise DeNovi, this is only, she had only produced Heathers before this. She went mm-hmm. on to produce six more Tim Burton movies. Also, she produced the 90s Little Women. And, mm. and she produced Little Women, fucking the, the last one they just did. Oh, wow. Yeah, as she well as like Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants and, uh, yeah, where, where, where's it? Where's it? What? Focus. That movie, Focus, with Will Smith and Margot Robbie. Yeah. Uh-huh. Cool. And then the person that wasn't famous yet, uh, who became famous in the early two thousands, Conchata Farrell, who mainly mm-hmm. became famous because of uh, she was the maiden Two and a Half Men. Yeah. Oh. And you're right. There's not a lot of quotes. There are not a lot of quotes from this movie that are famous. But a lot the of like thing. images for sure, or like just a lot the of, one image of the dude with the scissors for hands well yes <laughs> basically something being blank hands yeah i yeah, mean yeah. literally you could say that you're like gina book hands and sure. tommy remote hands uh there's a drinking game edward 40 hands like mm, right. you know it, they're it, just some calling something hands you know <laughs> I'm yeah. going to go by Gino Bookhands from now on. Gino That's Bookhands. A catchy, a catchy little name there. <laughs> yeah, I'm literally just looking around in my room to be like, where is, what do, what do I got here? I get uh, coffee. Yeah. No one wants to be coffee hands. That is not sustainable. Um, mm. Unless I was mug hands. Mug hands might be kind of okay. You could be Stephen Mug Hands. That's kind of like Lego. That would kind of make me like Legos. Like Lego They do hands. look like they are mugs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're That's like true. incomplete mugs. Right, or they're ready to hold a mug, a very small mug. Yeah, yeah, but not by the handle. No, just by Which, around it. Yeah. Which is the way most people hold mugs. They they hook their thumb under the handle and then they fucking grab that beast. For sure, because it's hot, and so you want to touch the hot part. Oh yeah. You touch it. Well, you just you want to fucking feel it under your fingertips. And <laughs> throw that goddamn. Okay, Stephen Mug hands. Glug, 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 We're going glug. too okay. far here. All right, this, this, um, this is why my love for mugs is going to lead to an experiment where I end up with mugs for hands. I know, but then don't worry, we'll turn them into hands afterwards. It's, it's going to be like the fly, but instead of a fly being in the thing with me, I brought my coffee mug in with me. Uh, nice. Moving on. Cool. Moving on. Don't know the Great. movie, but yes, I know the, what you're talking about. I only just saw it, and uh, it's fucking weird. Oh, cool. Great. Love it. Jeff Goldblum is uh, in a... He creates a teleportation machine, dissolves your DNA, and then reanimates your DNA in the other teleportation machine. And when he got in to finally do a human trial, there was a fly in the machine. So when it reanimated the DNA, it combined their DNA. And so he slowly starts to turn into a fly. That's pretty weird. Cool. Uh, All right. <laughs> um, any other references aside nah, from uh, like, Wizard unless hands, you can like, think of them, I can't really think. Of no, them. not. I mean, again, like no, yeah, like no, because I'm just thinking of like Tim Burton things. You know what I mean? Which aren't sure particularly references, but like the style of the, like the the inventors, like the 
the the style of like the mansion, like the design of stuff, but it just yeah. really feels like oh, my only reference points for that are like later Tim Burton movies as yeah. well, or earlier Tim Burton movies. So it's just kind of yeah, yeah, just sort of things being obviously kind of made out of like made not clay is what I'm like thinking of, but, but like obviously theatrical houses, mm-hmm. you know, like the mansion right. that the base, it, everything expands out and gets wider as it goes up. It's like like yeah. deliberately distorted in a fairy tale way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also just not making, um, it's almost like deliberate, deliberately fake things. Like when, when yeah. we pan over the town as we go back backwards into the story, it's like very deliberately, obviously a model town. Not, right. yeah, there's no like, but you know, no bones about it. Uh, no bones about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm ready to vote. You ready to vote? Let's vote. Let's do it. Okay, right. here we go. One, two, two three. three. Keep it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Great. I think Great. we should keep it. There's there's like a single character slash plot line that I would love to change. <laughs> um, but otherwise, pretty much keep it. And like a couple moments. Um, but I feel like overall... Yeah, I mean, like, you know, it's just, it's like a a fairy tale. And that's, and it's fun to see, like, the creation of this kind of, uh, you know, like, this mashup of, like, Americana kitsch uh, and, like, the sort of commentary on that life, which I appreciate that it's being commented on, uh, plus, like, gothic, you know, mad science, mm-hmm. steampunk, is just, like, a really uh, exciting kind of mashup thing to do and, like, uh, it just feels, yeah, it feels like a, like a fairy tale. Um, even in the way that like, like you were saying how everything is just like meant to not, we're not supposed to be like, wait, but that doesn't seem real. Like even in terms of like the way everyone deals with Edward Scissorhands, like nobody's really that freaked out by him, you know, like it's all just kind of like this, um, no, as a matter of fact, the, the, the young male energy is something that they're all, uh, fucking horny desperate for like, well yeah horny for uh, one person at least uh, and desperate to oh man but, so, yeah. they're all horny for him they're all like running around in little gaggles they fill up our answering machine well, being like you've got a man though so they you know, where are you going no I know but I think that this money. is a yeah like because so the part of the end of the like this being a fairy tale thing is that like it's all allegory also like it's both like really just supposed to be this strange fantasy world but it's also mm-hmm. to me there's like just so much allegory in terms of like the way that it's but like a really homogenous, uh, small community, a mm-hmm. small like American suburban community, like exists and also treats, um, right like, like fetish an as outsider. an outsider until yeah, exactly like, until it's not until they decide that they are going to turn on them, you know, and then they're always so it's like yeah, you're right. always on the outside of this community. Um, you'll always be othered, whether it's because you're being fetishized or because, uh, you know, we think that you're, uh dangerous or something right so like it just it was um yeah it was just like an interesting allegory for that and i also uh yeah i really i just really loved uh the oh shoot is her name peg or pam did i write where did i i'm just blanking on the mom the avon lady oh i think it's oh, peg i think I let me down. see let me peg yeah 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 the 
Yeah, Peg, it's, Peg, I think it's Peg. Peg Bounds. Peg, Peg. I just like I love her character, yeah, uh, especially amazing. in the beginning. She's just so, um, yeah, she's just so like brave in her in her very particular way. And partially, it's because again, like nothing is meant to be super uh, real. Like, like real. if you really, yeah, like real. But she also just kind of is like, well, this is my this is my world, and I'm gonna just like go up and go somewhere where nobody has been brave enough to go. And just like, she's curious and she's brave and she's like kind. And she kind of seems, you know, like one of the few people on the outside of she and Kim, her daughter, like feel sort of like the ones hovering on the outside of their community and sort of, you know, a little bit looking at it from a, from a place of, of critique, you know, um, which, which, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting. Um, I couldn't help but think about you talking. So I, I made a note that is um, Edward Scissorhands born sexy yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like mm-hmm. one of the few uh, male versions of that trope. But I do feel like he kind of fits that because tro- he's so innocent and helpless. Right. Um, but the also only, like yeah. dangerous, you know, and like like you said, you know, seems to have this like uh, a com- magnetic attraction for for people. Right. I mean, the the only yeah, like this is if I'm you know engaging critically with the trope, I'd say that the the reason why the it's not the born sexy history, or it's not like um, it doesn't have the same consequences is that mm-hmm. one we the audience don't come across being like hot for edward mm-hmm. like like it, you know and we're it, it, and it also almost like we feel like it's weird that these people think it's that he's sexy so mm-hmm. i mean if we were to say that he is like parroting the trope like that would be, you know, I like to hear him say that he's offering commentary on the trip because, like, that's definitely something that is mm-hmm. that could be occurring. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the other thing is that in I'm I'm I this is not a a sourced comment that I'm about to make, but I'd like to see where anywhere in the born sexy yesterday trope, their being born yesterday was sort of weaponized against them. Um, yeah. I mean, and wait, I, that could. Right? Sorry, wait a second. Why? Mm-hmm. Like how? Be, well, so his naivete is mm-hmm. weaponized against him by Anthony Michael Hall. Mm-hmm. And so like part of that also has to do with the fact that the person born. This is this is really interesting, Gina, because like also it's weaponized against him by other men. And so I would see very likely that a woman would be annoyed with somebody who was like seen as hot for being born sexy yesterday. But the problem is too many movies that have a born sexy yesterday, uh, female protagonist. She she doesn't really interact as much with like other big female characters. Mm -hmm. And so we don't actually know whether or not they would sort of, attack her for it. Actually, you know what? The only movie that I'm thinking of where there are would have to be 13 going on 30. Mm. 
And I think that Judy Greer does weaponize it against her. This is interesting. I don't know where it's going, but no, it's, super it's interesting. interesting. Well, and then like the other side of it being that like the women in this movie feel like, uh, or at least, at least like certainly the peg and Kim, like a desire to protect him. Mm-hmm. You know, and like that's certainly what we see from men towards, or at least from our like leading man towards the born sexy yesterday woman, which is like feels very problematic too because you know she's also being like sexualized and also like need to needed to be protected. Um, yeah, yeah, I, so don't know. I guess the yeah. only, I guess really the only difference is that, and this speaks to um, you know men at large and you know props to women at large is yeah that like we don't like we see this and and re- and think it's funny that the world finds him sexy mm-hmm. whereas when it comes to women it's it's not seen as funny it's understood that it is in fact hot mm, right and that's a that's that's yeah Socially yeah, and it's funny because if you were to just take his costume and put a a woman in that costume, we would be like, oh, even the costume is showing that he's hot, that she's hot because it's like right. tight leather and like buckles, right? Yeah, so it's it's super interesting. Yeah, yeah. It, you'd have Sandy or you'd have Catwoman, you mm-hmm. know? Right, right, exactly, yeah. But then when it's him, you're like, stop it. He's never taken right. it off. He's never bathed. Right. It's What's not going to be there? good for you. Like, Does he have all the parts is he just if you is he like is his suit part of his body like yeah i don't even clearly he can live for years without aging so i think he's just a head on a on a sack of gears sexy baby sexy sack of gears yeah 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 um yeah i mean the thing that i uh that you know is that is really troubling that I would love to be gone is the whole Joyce storyline. Cause you know, her whole storyline, I mean, a, she's just like, because, and again, like this is, it is like commenting on this particular type of life, but I don't know if it's commenting on this type of portrayal, which is the problem, you know, where mm-hmm. she's like the, the stereotype of like a sexually frustrated housewife you know and she's just like always throwing herself at everybody uh but also like of course the big part of like where she attempts to seduce him he runs away she's embarrassed and so she calls rape you know and like right. that's just obviously for reasons we don't need to explain uh just super right. terrible and the movie's but again right. I, yeah i just can't i don't think the movie is yeah, commenting on the portrayal, I think is commenting on this type of person, mm-hmm. which uh, which makes it hard for me. Yeah. Yeah, the thing that that I so yes, I was struggling with that with sort of like it. It's definitely you know parodying the gossipy nature of lonely women while the you know it does while the men are out at work. Now it does mm-hmm. you know parody the like vapidness and overconfidence of men you know like Mm -hmm. alan arkins says you know oh you should start your own business there's no better feeling in the world Uh, i've Mm -hmm. never done it myself um (laughs) and you know they are constantly sort of even the even like the braggadocio um 
because like her husband, um, I, I just I just have her name written down as Kathy Baker, but um, like her husband is just like a repair man, and he's mm-hmm. like fucking walks into the barbecue like he's fucking the shit, and he's just like, hey yeah, how's go? Hey oh this guy over here, this guy, and like you know, right, so he right. like that he's being made fun of, but totally. like you said, like this portrayal of women like it isn't fair and so it it just feels disappointing that it's not Mm -hmm. being offered a commentary on the depiction instead Mm -hmm. it's just saying like and this is i'm i'm making fun of Mm -hmm. the fact that women do this not the fact that this is what we think women do right exactly yeah my my yeah. big issue with the movie, not my big issue with the movie, um, which is not to say what I'm about to say isn't a big issue. It's to say that I did have an issue with what we were just talking about. Um, mm-hmm. Another issue I had with the movie, um, mm-hmm. to not subordinate either point, um, which I'm about to get to, is <laughs> can't wait. <laughs> um, is just that it is an all white movie. Um, mm-hmm. There is one black character. He is a policeman. Um, and so he has uh, no family. He's not a part of the community. Um, you know, one, I, and, I, and I just could hear, if asked about it, I was, start, I was trying to think, like, what would he say? Mm-hmm. You know, and... This movie has a very sort of 50s, 60s attitude about mm-hmm. it. And then, so I'm thinking, okay, well, if he says that it's sort of a parody of that time, and at that time there wouldn't have been, you know, like a, a, a black person living in the neighborhood, well, it's like, okay, well, then you've offered a segregated world without comment on segregation. So what good is right. that? And then right. you've also put, a black cop there. So you've got a black authority figure over all these white people in a segregated world and they don't, and they don't comment on it. Like he's fully accepted. So it's clearly not indicative of that time. Right. And so the only thing I could think of was his response would probably be that he wasn't thinking that, that it's not a movie about, race mm-hmm. you know like right. it's like a very 90s argument that like yeah. well because race is not a focus of my film i just cast quote-unquote normal people and quote-unquote mm-hmm. normal people are quote are white people right um, absolutely so yeah that that is my that's my that's my biggest problem with the except with also you know with the exception of where did he get the ice yeah totally if there's yeah where did he get the ice for this big sculpture and then where does he also get the ice in the mansion every time it snows right. when he's making more sculptures made of ice? When he made that yeah. first sculpture of ice, I was mm-hmm. like, uh, hang on there. Because he always is like cutting things without people's like cons- like consent. Um, like he made know, the first dinosaur and the, without them asking for it. I know, and then I'm like, you got to know if you want a dinosaur in your backyard. Like, right. Whoa. Like, uh, he also like, 
that could be you, you never know that could be a dog that coat could be like award-winning you gotta be careful before you just cut a dog's hair and then like fucking i was sitting there being like nobody has that much ice without a plan for what to do with it mm-hmm. like they don't i mean right they were no like, one yeah no yeah. one's got a fucking 10 foot high block of ice just in their backyard for no reason right like, right where otherwise like it doesn't seem cold out you know or anything so yeah right it's <laughs> it's so not cold out that there's never been snow exactly yeah <laughs> Which, like, maybe this was an origins of snow at all story, but regard, like, if so, you know, then it would be a place where it's cold and has never snowed or something. Like, it just feels like snow in this neighborhood has never happened. So it's a warm neighborhood. Yeah. Right. In this region. Um, mm-hmm. Totally, totally. Yeah. And I'm I'm so with you. I, I, I just want to, like, give props, uh, agree with everything you said in terms of the casting and, and race, because, uh, yeah, you said it beautifully and totally agree. Um, I also like one other thing that I was just thinking about was like, it could, uh, if you just changed a couple tiny things like there, it almost is like Kim does not need to fall in love with him. And like, she doesn't, she almost doesn't. There's like, there's the one kiss, they kiss at towards the end. Um, and there's a hug, but like, I just would so love it if the movie, instead of putting her in her like quote unquote Christmas party dress, which is just like literally a wedding dress basically, uh, which I feel like is a Tim Burton thing too of like women and wedding dresses. And there's something like about the virginal something that Mm. he likes to, he likes to do in his movies. Um, but like if she just like, wasn't in like a wedding dress, if, uh, she still like, they had the same, you know, she comes to like see him that he's really kind and stick up for him and realize that, you know, the people in her life are toxic, and like they could hug and then just let it be that and like let it be a friendship. I just like would so, so love that because um, it just feels unnecessary and it feels like the the part of like, oh, yeah, remember this is a fairy tale. So like, you know, she just kisses the guy, even though what happened right before the kiss was like her former boyfriend just got pushed out the window and killed like all, right. like sort of like and again, of course, it's not like meant to feel real. Um, but it just feels like there's, there's the potential to not need to like go into this trope of like the prize is this like virginal girl, uh, and, and like, it just barely goes there. And I just feel like it, there's, it could have just not gone there and that would have been nice. Yeah. Also, you know, it, it, it kind of, it's kind of like an aerial thing where Mm -hmm. not, not aerial overhead, aerial, like the mermaid, the, Uh, where it kind of is this bizarre idea and again it's a reversal of a trope that like you can love someone who never speaks to you Mm. yeah like right right totally yeah 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 (laughs) i mean they speak they have like um, that's why it feels like the friendship would be really cool make more sense sense because she sees him like be really kind and like be mistreated and like have a good heart. Um, but I like don't buy that they would fall in love, <laughs> you know? Right. And also like, yeah. yeah, the implication there is that like he has an immediate capacity for sexual attraction, which is sort of not yeah. clear. 
since he's not a human. Right, right. And maybe doesn't even have sexual organs. Yeah, we don't know. But he does, like, throughout, he has, like, little, like, ooga eyes Mm -hmm. moments, like, towards when Joyce does particularly, like, weird things, uh, you know, so, like, yeah. But it's, but also, like, we know that um, the inventor, it seems, like, was trying to create, like, the perfect gentleman or something because like he like teaches him tries to teach him etiquette and i even the poster or something was about like the most gentle man or something there was like something about being gentle and like clearly a play on gentlemen um uh, so is the is like a perfect gentleman a gentleman who is like polite uh sort of flirtatious but like devoid of sex because that's sort of not gentlemanly i don't know it just made me think about like what what like the sort of uh romantic old-fashioned vision of like uh uh, of like romance versus sex you know and that like i could see him being completely devoid of sexual organs and like sexuality but uh built to like be able to be charming or like romantic or something which he's not because he's not charming because he doesn't no he's just social skills confused yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it seems like a failed experiment, but yeah. Uh yeah. those were my things, I'd say. Those are my um, things. Do you wanna should we continue to our next our next yeah. one today? Let's move All on right. over to Rushy Rushy Rushmore. Of Wes Anderson. All right, Rushmore. So, okay, Rushmore, this is uh this movie is about Max Fisher, who is an eccentric 15-year-old and a scholarship student at a prestigious private school called Rushmore Academy. Max is big into extracurriculars, but he's a terrible student on the verge of failing out of the school. At an assembly, he meets Herman Bloom, who is a disillusioned industrialist with a multi-million dollar company, a failing marriage, and two teenage sons who he really doesn't like because they're sort of obnoxious uh, idiots. Um, Herman and Max develop a friendship. Max develops also an intense crush on a new teacher at school named Rosemary Cross. She's a widow and a first grade instructor with a degree in Latin American economics from Harvard, but she's a first grade instructor. Well, no, she um, did her thesis on Latin American economics. She didn't have a major. Sure. Okay. I said a degree. I didn't say a major. So I don't know. A degree actually would what definitely they... imply that it was a major. Well, okay, she's got her, okay, whatever, Harvard man. Um, anyways, the point just being, we'll come back to that. That's what she does, and that's her background. Max, uh, this 15-year-old Max boy, pursues her doggedly and weirdly. Uh, she tolerates it, but also becomes worried as his infatuation gets more extreme. For example, knowing that she has aquariums in her classroom, Max enlists Herman Bloom to fund the building of a giant aquarium on school grounds in order to impress her. Um, unfortunately, though, of course, this causes Max to get expelled because he never got permission from the school to do so. Um, so he enrolls in a local public school. Um, Herman and Rosemary begin dating. It's weird. In the movie, they're called Bloom and Miss Cross, but I'm calling them by the first names, I've decided. And when Max finds out, he gets pissed and he attempts to sabotage their relationship um, by exposing it to Herman's wife. He causes Herman and his wife to get divorced, therefore. Cycle of revenge ensues between Max and Herman until finally they reach a truce um, because Max is like, well, no matter what I do, Miss Cross will love you. 
Uh, Max is depressed. He drops out of public school to help his dad at his barber shop. Um, he always told everyone that his dad was a neurosurgeon, but actually he's a barber. Max finds out that Rosemary broke up with Herman, so he pretends to get into a car accident in order to trick her into letting him into her house. He becomes more interested in school again. He puts on a school play. He's put on lots of school plays in the past. He invites both Herman and Rosemary to attend. It is a huge, ridiculous hit uh, set in the Vietnam War. And in the end, they all reconcile. And it sort of looks like Rosemary is like maybe going to fall back in love with both of them. And that's basically how it ends. Yeah. That's Rushmore-ish. Yeah. uh, This movie... You know, a little bit, a low budget, low budget movie. Um, nine million dollars. You know, it made wow. seventeen million dollars. So true indie. Uh, yeah, this was not much. this is Wes Anderson's like uh, second movie. It previously made the movie Bottle Rocket, and mm-hmm. this is the this is his second movie. Uh, he co-wrote this movie with Owen Wilson, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a mainly about Owen Wilson's life he went to a school in texas much like the much like rushmore academy and he was expelled and so you know originally they wanted somebody apparently um like mcjagger to be like a cool badass like student you know harry styles-esque but then mm-hmm. after schwartzman auditioned they 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 changed the part to be more in 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 the words of 1998, more Dustin Hoffman. We wouldn't use that. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is this is Jason Schwartzman's first movie. Um, mm. He was breaking anyway because you know he, uh, well, he's the nephew of Francis Ford Coppola. He's cousin of Nick Cage. Um, oh, he wow, was introduced. I didn't know that. To, yeah, no, uh, I didn't know it either. But then he he, um, he was introduced to Wes Anderson by Sofia Coppola at a party. Hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, uh, he's worked with, uh, he's, this is a big, huge role for him. Cause he's gone on to work with, uh, Wes Anderson six more times. So he's, mm-hmm. he's one of something Wes Anderson is known for is having a regular cast of characters, a uh, pool of actors that he pulls from. Um, mm-hmm. and many of whom are established in this movie, particularly him and Bill Murray, Luke Wilson, the Wilson brothers. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, Wes Anderson would go on to uh, have a, like, in terms of his style, you know, it. This is the mark of things like the, you know, the montage of stills, etc. Like his cinematic style, his his color, his sort of eccentricities that got, went on to have uh, a BBC poll rank three of his movies in the top uh, one hundred movies of the twentieth of the or the 21st century that's uh moonrise kingdom the royal tenenbaums and uh grand budapest hotel and wow. he's had numerous uh, academy award nominations for uh screenplay we got royal tenenbaums moonrise kingdom and the grand budapest hotel he was nominated for best animated feature for isle of dogs and for fantastic mr fox and he was also um, nominated for best director and best picture for grand budapest hotel and uh schwartzman was actually he's off he does a number of co-writing with owen wilson but schwartzman has actually co-written with him as well on darjeeling limited on isle of dogs and on his upcoming movie the french dispatch Mm -hmm. we've already um 
We've already talked about Olivia Williams because she was in The Sixth Sense. We've already talked oh, yeah. about, uh, yeah, she was the wife. This oh, was like a heyday for her. Um, oh, yeah. Bill Murray, we just talked about with Space Jam. And this movie is credited as uh, his, like, the beginning is his second career in independent cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, this was sort of the film that sparked his new sort of more niche career. And then we've already talked about Brian Cox because he was in Braveheart. Um, Connie Nielsen, who plays Dirk's mom, was in Gladiator. Um, she like received you know received some brief fame um, in like the very early two thousands, but she was a uh, Danish actress and she's spent most of the time working in Europe. Um, mm-hmm. Then Owen Wilson, we talked about him with Armageddon. He's sort of in his not yet famous like early of early in. Uh, LA phase because this is like same year as Armageddon so he's he's definitely less famous helping write this than he was afterwards and then also big shout out to Alexis Bledel I know and just an extra just an extra no lines just in like just one an scene. extra she's just sitting there in a classroom oh my god right. I know it was amazing like, like <laughs> a s- less than one hand of years before Gilmore Girls starting you know like That's- crazy just nuts yeah. um yeah. yeah this movie definitely doesn't have much going for it by way of like cultural mainstays you know i mean like it means like wes anderson means a good bit to people but he's somebody whose like style kind of overrides his individual movies mm-hmm. but um i did dress up as Max for a Wes Anderson art show. Um, You did? I did. So this was like 2017, 2016. There's apparently like a yearly Wes Anderson art fair on the Lower East Mm -hmm. Side and everybody dresses up. Spoiler alert, everyone dresses up like you're in the life aquatic. So if you decide to go, make sure you get out ahead of that one. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I was the only one dressed like Max Fisher and it was dope. Um, And yeah, really, really cool, like avant-garde Wes Anderson art that people make. Um, But then the other thing is, are you familiar with John Green, the author? Um, Just through you, honestly. Yeah, well, I mean, he's a major... We can call it, I mean, no, he's a major author. His, uh, yeah. I, 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 decl- I, I'm struggling to call him a major author mainly because he would, de- he would not want himself described as a major author, but he mm-hmm. is a major author, YouTube creator and philanthropist, um, has like created the, a global conference for YouTube creators, has m- multiple p- podcasts, it has written five like best-selling young adult novels a number of which have been adapted into movies that or tv shows that have done really been really successful and he talks about his like the place he goes in his mind that somewhere else you know whenever he's like working on a project and he's like not focusing on where he is he's like somewhere else in his mind he calls himself as being in cheyenne wyoming which is 
a not a huge reference to this movie. It is strictly a reference to the play in which like his character in the Vietnam play mm-hmm. is like blow torching shit and the the guy's like are you all right i'm not even here i'm in cheyenne wyoming um and like wow so yeah that uh, being in cheyenne wyoming has a big um a big following in the john green fan base known as nerd fighteria so yeah wow yeah well, believe it. I think I think you better believe that it. fan base turns out. Oh, I'm definitely a um, fighter. I had never seen this movie before. I had honestly never even heard of it. So that's my just to yeah. Yeah, I didn't I had, know a damn thing about this movie until we watched it. I'd heard of this movie. I definitely thought like that I had seen it. Well, obviously, um, <laughs> I definitely. It is a movie that I I definitely didn't remember most of. Despite the fact that I think of well, and I also think I've only seen it once. Um, even Edward Scissorhands, yeah, I remember just like I'm like, oh, I, it's one of those movies that I definitely don't know that I had seen all the way through. Because mm-hmm. when I watched it, I was like, holy shit, this movie is literally about where snow comes from. Didn't fucking see that one coming. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, this is. I definitely didn't remember a lot of the things in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. With Edward Scissorhands, I I had seen it a lot because I I was a huge Tim Burton fan in my like, you know, my youth because it fit very nicely with my hot topic style and stuff. Mm. Uh, And I also just liked it. But but I had a really cool experience with Scissorhands where as the movie was as like one scene started, I'd be like, oh, and now I remember that next scene is going to be this. Like I it like was all filling itself in as I was watching the movie, which was a weird thing. I didn't realize that I remembered all the memory was jogged. That's about the other movie. Um, do you want to vote on Rushmore? You ready? Let's vote on Rushmore. Three, Set, two, one. one. No. No. God, this movie yeah. sucks. I. <laughs> I also. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of Wes Anderson, but I'm putting that aside to just think about the movie as a movie and um, the content and the messaging and everything. And um, sorry, I shouldn't. I shouldn't start off with this movie sucks, but. The core of this movie in terms of the plot is just so troubling to me. And honestly, I see it in other Wes Anderson movies as well. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. um, I definitely, so something that is a problem, it's kind of like, it's kind of like Pulp Fiction in which like you, you almost have to be on guard when you're being endeared by style towards something that's harmful. Mm-hmm. And right. that's something that I definitely feel is happening. And while I like some other Wes Anderson movies, uh, so definitely this movie is. Let's let's go ahead. This movie is all white. That is a big problem. Wes Anderson almost never casts white people, uh, black people. It's all, he lives in a very white world and creates a very white cinematic universe. Now, what we're going to spend the most time talking about, though, is not that. But in fact, Mm -hmm. that he has a very, like, male-driven, almost incel view of women. And this, a very, like, idealized, objectified view 
and that is sort of bitter when sexual advances are not like received and Mm -hmm. they're also defined by their relationships to men more so than they're defined by the things that they do in their life and Mm -hmm. and so like when i was watching it i was sitting there being like you know i do like I, i like i'm liking the jokes i'm liking the 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 costuming and the style and these things but like one is this a problem of you know like it's like oh do i want to give up wes anderson well does wes anderson change and that answer is no and the other thing is like we've already we deal with auteur directors it's like a thing that basically like auteur directors through their like oddballness basically say lots of insidious things about women Mm -hmm. and like how many how many creators are we just gonna like say that's okay for you know right right yeah no absolutely i mean and i don't know that i because yeah i talking about whether or not we're getting rid of wes anderson is a bigger conversation than i feel feel equipped to have right now in terms of my own preparation but i mean yeah just like the the fact that this movie really like sort of you know got him more noticed and like i would say launched his career is like there's no way that like the sort of that's not that that couldn't feel like a a confirmation or an affirmation of like you know his worldview which is present in the movie and like all those portrayals so it's 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 certainly like yeah let me just keep doing let me not interrogate my biases that have put put been put in the movie because they're being celebrated by the success of the movie um and i just like god this the whole time i couldn't it's just like this poor fucking woman who like is just being bombarded on all sides by these it's just so we I think okay part of also like something that Wes Anderson seems to do a lot uh, is like you know young people part of the comedy and of like the comedy and like drama of like taking young people super seriously and like putting them like low affect uh you know like uh uh situation like them having them like speak like adults and sort of like act like adults kind of but also mm-hmm. like be in the world of like within the rules of like or the, the tools of like what they have as kids. Um, and to me that gets old, especially like Moonrise Kingdom. I really did not like that movie, but that's not what we're talking about. Cause that's like all that movie is, but like the, just like this kid, his entitlement, he's just like a sociopath. I don't understand. And like, I guess it's supposed right. to be funny. Um, like the lengths that he goes to, but like he's a sociopath and this woman, I, I just like feel, yeah, there is no consideration for like, the real experience and emotion of this woman um, because she's just like, I can like see it in her face also like at at moments of like, of like, just leave me alone. Even though that's not what the scene is saying. I like, I I don't know. There's a way where I feel like uh, it would be hard as the actor to like, not uh, have those (laughs) reactions when you're like playing this character who's, who's like inner experience, inner life is totally disregarded. Um, But even the fact where I'm like, her very her backstory 
Like she's so she was so devoted even to the other man who we never get to meet that right. despite her clear intelligence and prospects, um, she could do anything. She moved to like this place, which was his hometown, uh, to get a job at the school he went to for like high school because she's so like devoted to his memory, uh, you know, so she can teach first grade, which she's obviously overqualified for so that she can be the subject of like prize and purpose mm. for these two men. Like, it's just so baffling to me. Uh, and, and they like won't, they won't yeah. let her grieve. Like, it's just, right. ugh, it's like, they're so impatient uh, for her to just like get over her dead husband. Right. Uh, and like, also one of them is 15. Like, what the fuck is your problem? <laughs> like, God. Right. I mean, I like, the something else I just thought about is like when you were just listing all the all these ways in which she is defined by her husband, uh, she only he only finds her mm-hmm. because he randomly checked out a book that she donated to the library because her husband loved it. Right, exactly. Like and, and like he gave it to her as a gift. And she decided because he went to this school, she would donate it to this library. Like, which, and she's not clearly not trying to get rid of his, like, she sleeps in a room full of his stuff. So even the right. fact that she would, like, give up this book it makes in no sense. In a twin to me. bed, which doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I know. Like, why that, that was he sleeping a in a twin bed? <laughs> were they sleeping together? Were, were they, they sharing a twin bed? Right. Were they not? And I thought she was house sitting. They earlier right. said that she's she was like renting or something. It doesn't make any sense. And then later it's like, this is, was his room. Like, that, what? No, it, yeah. no, it wasn't. Yeah. So yeah, she's just so not, and then the fucking end, I couldn't believe like halfway through the movie, I was like, well, at least I'm sure this fucking kid is going to get his comeuppance. Like at least this kid is going to be slapped by the world in to like not let him continue to exist the way that he is existing. Uh, But instead he creates an absurd, and I know it's supposed to be absurd, this like play and in the end has like proved his uh, wisdom and his sort of uh, uh, value to everybody around him, you know, who everyone who used to hate him has like arrived mm. to like be a part of this experience that he's crafted. And it literally, yeah, the, the look that she gives him at the very end before they go off to dance uh, is like, it's, it's like very look seductive, of like, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, I, I underestimated. It's the look of like, you've been under my nose this whole time. Um, and then it ends, and I'm like, this fucking poor woman. Like, what the hell is this movie telling? Like, this guy, this kid is just being a sociopath. He pretended to get into a car accident so he could get into your bed and try to kiss you after an earlier scene where when she quit her job because he was being so fucking creepy that he tried to kiss her and hold her face and she had to like push him away and then weirdly like sexy talked at him to scare him which was also really upsetting uh uh, god i just like can't handle it i also got really really upset about the treatment of margaret yang i know margaret yang is so great (laughs) and there's no there's no reason that she should really now granted i think we over i think sometimes when we talk about movies because movies are condensed we sort of forget that things like crushes exist and people can have crushes based on people that like they can have crush on someone that they don't know very well um but she ends up with a crush on him 
And all he does is mistreat her. Right. All he does. And I mean, they, you get, you get this like false sense that she does have a, like a voice because when she's flying her plane and he's flying a kite, she's like, you're really rude to me, you know, but mm-hmm. like, they still end he up dating. Apologize. Yeah, he, like, doesn't... he doesn't. In his play, the line she gets at the end is like, "Will you marry me?" or something, you know. And so it's like, right. ugh, God. <laughs> yeah, and there's a moment where, like, it where she, she the the flying the plane scene mm-hmm. where she says like, "Oh no, yeah, I like faked my science experiment because I thought it was going to work and it didn't, so I faked it," which is like the whole life of Max. Um, and he kind of like, it seems as though he sort of recognizes that for a moment, but doesn't say anything, doesn't then like act differently, doesn't apologize. Like he, you know, the only thing he's learned by the end is that he is to like introduce his father finally, not as a neurosurgeon, but as who he really is. Um, but like, that's the only, and he gets so, he, he's, he's so wins because of it. Uh, that like he's still just sort of validated. Like there's not even a moment where anybody is like, why did you lie? Like nobody confronts him about it or like uh, he doesn't lose anything because right. of it. Like, you know what I mean? His yeah. dad is never, we ne- like that was one of, after his play, the the play that he did when he just typed up the script to Serpico and put it on stage at his high school. Um, mm-hmm. Afterwards, he lies to his dad about yeah. about whether or not he can like hang out with him after the show, and like because he's right. what like it's like it, he's not even like ashamed. It's just that in like a Patrick Bateman dystopian way, it's not as socially advantageous at this dinner for him to be seen with his barber father. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, I do get the sense that he's ashamed of like, because he tells everybody that he's something else, but yeah, I mean that, but there's never a, his father just like throughout like loves and accepts and doesn't care. And I think it's really interesting that we never go inside his house. Like we see the outside of his house and we see him through the window once, but I feel like there's something that's like subconscious, even for the, for Wes Anderson, like, and the people making the movie where like, he just like his desire to be someone he's not, is not really like interrogated or seen as a bad thing in this movie. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's something to me that like, if they had gone into his house, there's no other option, but to show him like who he is. Yeah. And like really dissatisfied in there, but like, it just stays on the stays outside. And I think that's like a really, an accidental like symbol for the, the lack of like criticizing or critiquing or like really pushing his, uh, his shame about who he really is because he, his story isn't about like coming to terms with who he really is and accepting that and not wanting to try to be somebody else. Like that's not really what he learns. Uh, So, uh, you know, as we're doing this, like I, I did not see this when I was watching the films, but as, as we're talking now, I feel like, Another reason that you know we should keep Edward Scissorhands and get rid of this movie is I feel like they're both like metaphors for 
the ways that the directors feel like they're seen by other people. And Mm -hmm. Tim Burton in Edward Scissorhands, it feels like the statement is, I'm weird, I'm kooky, and people like me because of that, but they don't really like me for me, and if anything was wrong or whatever, I can tell that I would be attacked by them. Mm-hmm. Whereas Wes Anderson is saying, I'm great, I'm smart, I'm not being recognized in this traditional way, but like really successful people will recognize me for who I am. And at the end of the day, I'm so enigmatic that people that thought that they didn't like me, they'll still come and see my stuff and they'll all see. And like, yeah, and totally. you know, that's the, you're exactly right. Like that, you know, Max is entirely like not going into his house. Like that's such an interesting symbol for the fact that like he is entirely about pretense, like even, Mm -hmm. even to the audience. And like, we, we almost see who he is by seeing through the window. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, Even, but then he pulls the shades, you right. know, and we, yeah, and like if we could, because it's like yes, we go into the barber shop, which is like, but that's his father's space, and there's something about like, yeah, we never get to see his private space or even how he feels in a space that is private but shared with his father, you know, and yeah, right. that that's just kind of dis- disconnecting us from his like subconscious too. Yeah, and like it, yeah, I also I, I have a note uh, when I or it was around the time that. Margaret Yang went up to um, that like Margaret Yang went up to his door, but I was like, this is, I was like, I hate that this movie is basically about men navigating the chances women give them. And then like when we were talking about like the house as as, as a symbol for sort of his inner life, she's the closest She's she gets the closest to sort of mm-hmm. seeing inside, but not for any real earned way, just because yeah. she inexplicably tried the hardest to get this person who refuses to open up to open up. Like there's no reason he has never presented any anything to get her to do that. All he has done is said, you can give up guitar lessons, made her give up guitar lessons and then was shitty to her. Yeah. Right. And like forced her to audition for a play without even telling her she was auditioning for his play. Like you talked right. about her, like she wasn't even there. So weird. I just also think it's so, um, the fact that he doesn't get, not that I like I, at the new, like he succeeds everywhere he goes. And like at the new school, uh, he, he like doesn't not that he should get bullied but i just am thinking like he would get bullied like something some some people would like dislike him especially after this like speech he gives on the first day of class where he's like apparently trying to uh you know not let anybody think that he is like elitist but the speech certainly is elitist uh you know and then like people just kind of leave silently and don't say anything to him except for Margaret Yang. And like, uh, and she even says like, some people might not like what you said about like the silver spoon in your mouth, you know? Uh, Mm -hmm. and, but then like all we see of him at the school after that is him 
gathering a posse and succeeding. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the... I will say, there was something that I did really like in this movie, and I, I... And it was the scene where they're at dinner, and he's like battling with Owen Wilson for Mrs. for Miss Cross. And he's like, that's a nice uniform nurse's uniform you have on. These are OR scrubs. Oh, oh are, are they? they? God. Yeah. That's that's just a good joke. Like that, that was line. a good <laughs> fucking joke. You know what? Let's keep this movie then. You know, Let's on second it. thought, that was, that was one it. good joke. So let's yeah. keep it. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it just fucking followed by so how do you know miss cross we went to harvard together well i directed the hit play so i'm not sweating it either yeah like if like there are that's the problem no i know there's fun stuff that like if it wasn't like if it was balanced out in any conceivable way then there would be it would be great to be able to keep it but no it's uh not Hanat. Yeah. Um, I mean, because even though, like, the play, because the play isn't even what tells us that, like, everyone is won over. It's the mm-hmm. fact that everyone who he's, like, burned and, like, mm-hmm. has claimed to hate him all comes to the play. Mm-hmm. So the fact is, like, right. that they're like, oh, well, this guy, you know, he, he burns some bridges, but I tell you, he leaves a mark. You know, they still, they come for him because like Owen Wilson, after that dinner, never sees him again, isn't dating Miss Cross and still comes to the play. Right. Yeah. It's baffling. It's, yeah. Yeah. Also, another great, another great line is, yeah, well, with friends like you, who needs friends? (laughs) I know. Great one. That was a good line. Yeah. I, I do. I have to say that the character of Dirk. Mm-hmm. Who's his like young friend? Um, was a pretty good character. <laughs> yeah, and like that's another thing that's like disappointing is you know yes, there's we're seeing this age dynamic in terms of like attraction, which we then see again with her attraction to Bloom, but like something that we it, it like it has a false sense of unif like of uniform oddballness because you have basically one character that's super young, another character that's older, another character that's older, another character that's older. So it's like something that's quirky, quirky about the movie is that, Oh wow. Like all the main characters are vastly different ages. So that's funny, but yeah, I mean like the, it doesn't change that the relationship is so inappropriate that like she would be terrified. Oh God. Yeah. Of that's so scary. Yeah. Like the, of getting fired, of being reported, of the police, like the you know I my playwriting teacher in college, the playwriting one of the students was a fucking asshole and would write plays every class about hooking up with his playwriting teacher. Oh my god! And yeah. she, like nobody knew it, and she's like a fucking seasoned pro so she would be like addressing the you know 
the structure of the play, the writing of the play, et cetera. But at the end of every class, she then reported each one of those plays. Um, yeah. Because it's like, I have to report all those plays because what if something happens and then I'm suddenly having to like challenge something someone's saying, you know, like they don't play around with that. Mm -hmm. And like all of her words are there, but it's like you said, the like sort of smokiness and her glances and stuff. And it's like, no fucking no. Yeah. I mean, and like she literally halfway through the movie ish, maybe a little after maybe two thirds, she quits because she is so troubled by this. And Mm -hmm. then the rest of the movie, we don't know, or we're not supposed to care. Also, like, what does she do next for a living? Like, why would she stay in this town if she's quit the one reason she came here, which was like the school, you know, she's then like, just uh, God. Yeah. And that like, it's so easy for her to see him again. Like after that scene where he like tries to kiss her in her classroom. uh, Also, by the way, she's in like, she teaches first grade. So she's probably in like a first grade wing. uh, And Mm -hmm. there's like people moving stuff in and out of her classroom as she's like packing up to go. And she seems totally fine. Just being like, would you tell them you fingered me? Or maybe that I gave you a hand job. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. what, like in what world a, would she ever say this to a 15 year old? Uh, but B, would she ever like say those things potentially around other teachers, movers, or uh, first graders, you know? Um, but then, yeah, it's just like we don't uh, – it doesn't matter what she does next because she just exists – she's just existing so that she can be one back, you know? Right. And then and then also yeah. the fact that she's like – you know, it's like, I get it. You're not attracted to me. You're 15. Attraction doesn't have anything to do with it. I'm like, mm, I think you want – I think that you should say something else. I think you should say, right. Yeah. You're 15. So no, like I'm not, (laughs) you know, there is something, you know, I I was wanting to, I was wanting it. She kind of goes there, but that's, I wanted her to be like, what would it say about me if I was attracted to you? Well, that's part of the like, uh, incel thing you were talking about, I think is really like great way to put it up, like also showing that she doesn't fully all the time, especially in the beginning, push him away or like bat away his advances, you know, like Mm -hmm. she seems like maybe she's like, she's given mixed messages. So yeah, he should keep going or something. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and that's so not reality. Right. She just, she just wants to get her a fucking, a fucking Chad, a fucking Chad, like Owen Wilson who went to fucking Harvard and he's going to be shitty dar and she's going to fuck him and she won't fuck me. And yeah, no, it was bullshit. Right. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's all I had to say. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for next week's movies, by the way. Next week we're doing Boys in the Hood and Thelma and Louise, and I'm I'm excited about that. I yeah. have never seen either of these. You know, I've honest. I've seen like pieces of Boys in the Hood. I've seen Wayne's World Two, in which they parody the end of Thelma and Louise. So I I, w- I won't I won't spoil her. Um, I mean, I know what happens, unfortunately. But, you know, it, it, I think it, I think it it's pretty close. It's hard to it's hard to not know what happens in that movie because it's referenced a lot but But, yeah so i'm excited unfortunate you know um boys in the hood you know sadly john singleton the director you know will be talking i'm excited to talk about him because he's like epically 
you know, like his integrity as a, as an artist, like this, that movie, like I would probably not have done what he did to get that movie made. And that says a lot for, for who he was as a creator. And unfortunately he, he did pass away recently. Um, not related to COVID-19, but um, yeah, he did pass away. Let's do yeah. it. So we're a Rock Rising Productions podcast. I'm Stephen Moskis. You follow me wherever Stephen Moskis is sold. Mm-hmm. I'm Gina oh, Stevenson. So follow us, follow Rock Rising, yeah. follow Should We Keep This. Um, thanks for listening. Oh. All right. Goodbye. This podcast is produced by Rock Rising. Come follow us on Instagram. And if you want to hear more podcasts, visit rockrising.org. Thanks.